Have you ever asked yourself, what would it take to build a better Canada? Not just notionally, but literally. A Canada that's greener, healthier, happier, and wealthier. We have. More importantly, our guests have. Today, we're talking with Stéphane Brutus, Dean at the Telfer School of Management, and Catherine Tremblay, founder and CEO of XLHR. I'm your host, Scott Reed, and you're listening to the Keys to a Better Canada podcast. What is it about happiness? On the face of it, few things could matter more. After all, isn't happiness the fundamental objective we all seek? The pot at the end of the rainbow? Isn't happiness supposed to be the reason we work so hard and sacrifice so much? But two things about happiness. First, it always seems elusive. Second, many of us seem a bit shy about even laying claim to it as though we're almost embarrassed to admit to ourselves that it's something we seek, or that it's something we deserve. Maybe all of that helps explain a whole bunch of contemporary attitudes toward work in the workplace. Maybe it helps explain why almost all of a sudden so much seems to be in flux. Grind culture. The idea that we work relentlessly, without fail, that that pile never shrinks and we never grab a breath, That's been with us forever. Heck, it's almost become essential to the Canadian identity. You know, keep your head down, work hard, don't complain, salt to the earth. But is that happiness? Is that fulfillment? Workers have quietly struggled with that question for years. And now, triggered in part by generational change, by technological change, and in particular, by the thunderstrike of the global pandemic we see some of those assumptions starting to melt. We can see changes happening in the workplace and in the connection that people make between work and happiness. We don't yet truly appreciate all that's at play, its full effects, where it's headed, but we can start to see parts of the picture. Some of us are re-evaluating our notion of work-life balance after being tied to a remote working computer screen for the better part of two years. Others feel liberated resent the commute back to a four-walled office. On the surface, it might seem like the gulf between work and fulfillment is widening. But is that the case? Does it need to be the case? Is it possible that all this change grants us a unique, once-in-a-many-generations opportunity to restate? And that's easier said than done. Even in the face of dramatic upheaval, old ways can hang on stubbornly. Employers will often default to the models they knew before. Employees may come to worry about too much change coming too fast. And we could get it wrong. It's not like we can pretend to fully understand all that's happened and is happening. The ongoing impacts of the gig economy, the return to work that's reshaping our economy, the altered priorities people are carrying around and may prove unwilling to surrender. Thankfully, we have someone who can help us navigate these new waters, someone who has dedicated his life to studying and understanding the way that work, well, works, how that might help us all find that intangible but essential goal, a greater measure of happiness. Stefan Brutus is the Dean of the Telfer School of Management at the University of Ottawa and is an expert in the field of employee performance, motivation, and feedback processes in organizations. The answer is not that complicated. I think we all aspire to belong to a greater whole. Um, there's, there's a notion out there that uh, human beings are individualistic uh, uh, beings, but uh, we really are 
social beings, beings that are built to be connected, who can provide people a sense of being part of a whole, being part of something greater than, 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 than you know, our, our little self, uh, to the extent that we can get that, give that to people, uh, then you know, people are going to be more productive, more happy, um, more effective. Well, I think it comes back to allowing people to connect and to find meaning in what they do. And right now we associate wealth and happiness, yeah. uh, where in reality, the two are not related at all. I mean, if you look at all the research that looks on the relationship between people's wealth and people's happiness, uh, well, the correlation is not there. You have rich people that are super happy and you have, you have rich people that are miserable and you have poor people, you have people that don't have wealth that are uh, very uh, unhappy and uh, you have people that have very little wealth that are super happy. I mean, my father's come from Haiti. I've been there a few times and, you know, I mean, Haiti is a, is a really, really poor country. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I've seen happiness there that I haven't seen anywhere else in my life. Uh, from people that have probably 1,000 of the income that I have. Uh, so I think it's important to disconnect wealth and happiness and be clear as to what is the goal of workers. What is our goal as human beings? I think our goal is to be, to be happy. It's not to be wealthy. So to be happy, you don't necessarily need wealth. You need to, you need to have meaning at work. You need to uh, find, um, find connection with others. Uh, you need to be generous, being generous with your money, being generous with your time. Uh, all these things have been shown like scientifically to have a direct impact on happiness. Lots of my students are, are in that, 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 um, that really critical phase of, of, of choosing what they want to do. And I find that many of them are, are you know, pursuing the shiny object and looking looking for the dollar figure. And I always tell them, it's like, don't put too much of your energy chasing the dollar. There's, life is not about the dollar. It's about happiness and it's about being generous. It's about doing what you love. It's about being a member of your community and about leaving the world a better place than you took it. Coming back to our DNA, right? What is basic human nature? It's not to be rich. It's, it's to be part of a community. Feel like you are... You're contributing to something that's greater to yourself. Sometimes with the media and, and, and the, the values of Western society, we, we, we lose track of this and we, we, get, we get channeled under other pursuits that in the end are empty and are not gonna, are not gonna uh, you know, lead to, 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 to what we want, which is just to be content and be happy. Stefan makes a point about perspective. And it rings loudly because until we understand what we mean by happiness, it's going to be awfully hard to achieve it. What are employees looking for? What do they seek from their careers? Is it advancement, financial stability, recognition, something else, something more? If companies want the most out of their employees, you're going to have to make a better effort to unlock those answers. Understanding what your team members need to feel fulfilled, to feel happy, it's always been important. But in this new post-pandemic changing world of ours, it's indispensable. The challenge is happiness can be a pretty subjective measure. It can vary from person to person, place to place. How are employers expected to find their way through that? Well, Catherine Tremblay is our perfect guide, our workplace compass. A born entrepreneur, she's the co-founder and CEO of Excel HR, Atlas Recruitment, and Atlas Technology. 
and she's a leader in the field of employee-first recruitment strategies. All the financial metrics are easy, right? Revenue, profitability, returning customers, you know, um, how many placements we've made, how many people we've impacted. And the other side of the equation is a lot harder to measure, but it is measurable. So I'll give you a few ways that we measure. We do um, engagement surveys, which everyone does. So I'm not saying there's nothing unique there, but when we take our engagement survey, we really dig into it to determine if we are showing up as the employer we intend to. And we then do pulse checks on very individual measures of how people feel included in our company, if they feel valued, are we investing in their learning and their development, is there a clear career path for each person. And we've changed from being kind of an employer for all versus an employer for the individual. And so through our individual relationships with our team members, we can see their level of engagement and if we are showing up for them as an employer of choice. And the way we're measuring that is through retention. Um, in the staffing sector, retention is quite a difficult uh, subject. Uh, there's quite a lot of turnover in that every two to three year mark. And we tried to relook at what does turnover look like. And yes, there's of course voluntary turnover where you welcome and celebrate that someone is going on to a new career and you're, you're lifting them up in that journey. But you also want to retain your, your great resources and the people that you want to work with. So we, we changed how we looked at that and we reinvested in every element, like from it, it, the easy ones are compensation. The hard ones are around flexibility, um, you know, um, giving autonomy to each person to determine when they work and how they work and where they work. Um, we re-looked at our career pathing and how it is that each person has the opportunity to take where they are and either have special projects and do other things to really ignite what they're up to. Um, so I, I, can't, I think that your question is valid in that is the financial metric something that you can then turn over to the human metric? And I would say that on the human metric side, we can measure it through the happiness of our workforce that we measure, through the returning customer that is truly happy with us, through our net promoter score, which I know NPS is you know obviously something many people do. We take the NPS and we look at any detractors and what we did and how we can change and be preventive to make sure that someone who didn't feel served by our business that we can change our the way we go about something in our business that's sustainable so that we show up differently the next time. So I think that the question of going from financial metric to human metric is that they both go hand in hand and you can't almost have one without the other. Catherine's take is so important because she reminds us that even in the face of this new set of circumstances, this new changing post-pandemic world, what really matters is something we've always known. That is not about the destination, it's about the journey. Pay close attention to where you want to get to as an employer. Pay even closer attention to how your employees want to get there. In that mix, you're going to find a better set of outcomes. You might even find happiness. Learn more about how the Telfer School of Management is helping organizations build a happier, better Canada. Visit their lab at thrivingresearchcollective.com. Then, tune in next week, where we're going to talk with two titans of Canadian medicine and healthcare to gain a better understanding of how we can work together to build a healthier Canada.